This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Hey, it's Van Pugh. What it do? I'm back. You already know. Dog, Darius Geis, again. What are you doing? Are you serious, my guy? Now, I hate to keep talking about Darius Geis. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> but, but damn, bro. He strangled his girlfriend to death. Almost. So I, I heard, you know, he's being charged with domestic violence related charges. And part of it was strangulation. But apparently, according to Fimlo Raps and another article, I think it was a Washington Post article. Like He strangled the girl unconscious. Are you serious, bro? That's crazy, man. This dude like a maniac, dog. I, there's a slim chance that's not true, but it's too many reports, too many accusations, and it, it was in a court document, so it's most likely true, most most likely. It might not be slim chance, but most likely it's true. This is just not good. Like it just adds fuel to the fire. As to why you know Washington got rid of him, you had to. That's crazy, man. Like, how did this all start? Why is he like this? But the biggest reason why I'm talking about him again is because two LSU students accused him of rape in 2016 when he was a freshman. That's insane. One of them, he showed up to a party uninvited. Everyone was drinking. The girl was asleep. He went into her room. He raped her. That's that's crazy. What, what is this? Everyone's going to say, people are going to say, oh, she was drunk and shouldn't have been drinking like that. She shouldn't be reckless like that. She didn't give consent, bro. And when someone's drunk, that's even more reason to not have sex. So they're not in their right mind. That's crazy, bro. And then apparently he raped a tennis player, a former tennis player, after meeting her at a bar. And I already know what people are going to say then. Why are you going back to the house of some man? After you met him at a bar. That's just not smart. I already know. Still no consent, man. Like, come on. It's not good, man. It's not good. Either he don't know how to control his emotions, especially when he gets drunk, or he just got just some mental issues. I hope it ain't like CTE or none of that. It might be, but I don't know. All we can do is pray for everyone involved. Pray for the administrators that now have to investigate it. Pray for Darius Geis, his mental health and stuff, and he can get things together because it's, it's going to get rough. And pray for the victims that are forever traumatized by this. Yo, I, whether it's true or not, it looks like it's true. But just pray for the victims that are traumatized and their lives are negatively affected by this. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. But the more stuff that comes out, the more the Washington football team look like geniuses. I'm just saying. The NBA playoffs, it's going going pretty well. Going pretty well. So, so far... The Raptors are too much for the Nets. 
the Nets are just they're on demand. They play hard. Karis LeVert is going off in these games. They got a solid supporting cast like Tyler Johnson, Luwawu Cabrero, and Jared Allen. These guys are great. It's not enough. They're missing too many people, too many key players. There'll be a there'll be a threat to the Raptors next year, but this year the Raptors are just too much. Their supporting cast and their best players, their system is superior, and it's showing. Now the Nets gave up a bigger fight on Game Two. It's Game One they got obliterated, but Game Two they put up a much better fight, but the Raptors pulled away. It just is what it is. The Mavericks should be up 2-0 against the Clippers. They had the lead most of the game in game one. But just like when the Clippers played the Mavericks in the regular season bubble game, in the seeding game, it's just like, all right, the Mavericks was right there with them, and they even had the lead. And then something about the fourth quarter, the Clippers just just skilled marksmen. Boom, boom, boom. It's shot after shot. And they just firing all cylinders down the stretch, and they get them. They beat them. That's usually the Mavericks' problem. Apparently, I, I found that out with my own eyes. I hadn't been really watching them all season. It was no surprise to Mavericks fans, but I hadn't really been watching them all season. So it, it's you saw it. But game two, they came to play. Oh, and poor Zing is getting thrown out. I saw the video, man. Should he got involved and escalated the situation? Not really. Did it deserve a tech? No. No, man. Come on. I think most of us can agree that if not everyone can agree that he didn't deserve that second tech. It's very fishy. Now, once again, I, I have no sympathy for NBA refs. Y'all supposed to be the best refs. Y'all supposed to be the best refs in the world. You carry yourselves like that. I have no remorse. <laughs> you got to get that right. You know what I'm saying? Out of all these people who ref basketball in the world, it's probably millions. You're one of the best. I don't, I, no excuses. I don't care. Hey, the Mavericks came out firing in game two. I don't know what Paul George was doing. People were killing him online calling them playoff P and Paul George responded on Instagram. He take an exception to it. Kawhi Leonard did what he usually do. Everyone else is just off. I was watching the game and they just, just looked flat and Mavericks was doing whatever they wanted. It looks like this is going to be a series. This is a six or seven game series. So buckle up. Now I would love seven for max drama and Max Entertainment. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how these guys make adjustments. But ultimately, I believe the Clippers are a better team, especially in the fourth quarter when they just are usually better, more composed, and usually firing on all cylinders. The Sixers are outmatched. I mean, it's literally Embiid against everybody else. They're missing Simmons, but my thing is they got everybody else. They paid Horford a bunch of money. They paid Tobias Harris a lot of money. They got everybody else. They got all the other pieces. They got Josh Richardson and Shake Milton. 
I know somebody laughing at me right now, listening to that mentioning Shake Milton. <laughs> but seriously, man, they got Cork Moss. All of their cast is there. They just don't have Ben Simmons. I know that's a really big piece, but you still have everybody else. And they still losing. Now, just like the Nets, they did better in game two. But the Celtics was too much. Too much Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Kemba. It's just too much. They just got the better team. Boston just got the better team, period. Period. The Heat are up on the Pacers. The pace, uh, the Heat are a tough matchup for the Pacers. They have been the entire season. They're already up 2-0. Jimmy Butler, I don't know, he always comes alive against the Pacers. And then Duncan Robinson had 24. He was 7 for 8 from 3. And he tied Robert Ory for the most threes made without a two-pointer attempted. Robert Ory did this in 97 in the conference semis or something. But that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Duncan Robinson going to be a problem. He's a hell of a, sh- hell of a, shoot- a shooter. shooter. He's a hell of a player. So, <clears throat> I think the Pacers are, are a good enough team to make a comeback and win maybe two games. But ultimately, the Heat are slightly better than them. And it's just going to be too much. I, I can see it now. The Bucks are tied with the Magic 1-1. Yo, Giannis had 31, 17, and 7 in the first game. Middleton had like 15. But the Magic shocked them. The Magic shocked them, and they won by 12. Vucevic had... 35, 14, and 4. Hey, he was a star on my GOAT level expansion team in 2K. The one where I just quit halfway through the season because they were so bad. (laughs) I just said, man, screw this. This isn't fun, losing all these damn games. But anyway, man, that was just dope, man. Like, it came to play. And in the second game, things got back to normal. Bucks won easily. Giannis at 28-20-5, another 25-20-5 game for Giannis. That's just incredible. Vucevic had 32-10. But Middleton only had two points in the second game. And Brooke Lopez had 20. It's like everybody scored on the Bucks. See, when they get everyone else involved, that's when they're dangerous. Like, Giannis is going to do his thing. When everyone else get involved and they're shooting threes, and so you're done. That's that's what made them the best team in the East. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see if the Magic will fight back. I think they'll win another game. They got a solid team, and Vucevic is doing his thing. So it's just it's going to be tough. It's going to be tougher than we all expected. But it might be. I think this is a six game series at at the most. But I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being five. So now, got the Nuggets, who escaped the Jazz despite Donovan Mitchell's 57 in game one. 
That's crazy. Now, if you remember the bubble seeding game, they played an amazing game then. And Donovan Mitchell was going off and they were going back and forth. It was a similar type of game in game one. And I expect a seven-game series. Like, no doubt. I'll be shocked if this is not a seven-game series. What did shock me is how the, easily the Jazz won in game two. Like, Donovan Mitchell had 30-8. and eight. So, and the Jazz won by 19. I'm interested, man. It's going to be a hell of a series. I think these are two evenly matched teams. And I, it's a shame they're facing in the first round. It's a second-round quality game. But I like what I'm seeing so far. I like the battle between Donovan Mitchell and um, Jamal Murray. And then you throw Jokic into that. Bruh. Bruh, this is going to be... Oh, my God. And the X Factor is Mike Conley. He's going to be available later in the series. You got to watch him. He could be the X Factor. He could be that last little push the Jazz need to get over the Nuggets. If it come down to it, just watch that. Keep your eye on that. Sure, man. And the Thunder, the team I've readopted because when I was in college, I was a huge fan. It's hard not to be a fan of the Thunder when you're going to college in Oklahoma. When you're immersed in that culture, it's very hard not to root for them because you love that fan base. You love that team. You love how they run. I love. I like them. I like them. And. Maybe not as much now since I'm back in D.C. and I'm rooting for the Wizards. But I'm on the bandwagon, and it hurts that the Rockets are just pounding them. The Thunder are down 2-0. The Rockets were plus 7 from 3 in Game 1 and plus 7 from 3 in Game 2. That's the difference. When I look at it, you know the Rockets are going to shoot threes. But they just, just Their drive and kick game is just unmatched. And they're just too much for the Thunder. Just way too much. And the crazy thing is, the Rockets don't have Westbrook. You know what's crazier? The first game, I can understand. Harden had 37. He did his thing. But the second game, it was closer. It's just like the Nets series. It's just like the Sixers series. It's a little more competitive until the fourth quarter and the Rockets pulled away because their role players went off. I mean, Shai Gilgis Alexander had 31 in the second game, and Harden only had 21. But here's the problem. The Rockets only played eight people, but six of them were in double figures. How does that happen? How does that happen? They're shorthanded. Undersized. But yet, everyone had, damn near everyone had double figures, and Eric Gordon was 0 for 10 from 3. Harden was 2 for 11. I, I am noticing, though, that even though the Rockets got a shorter bench, they have been outplaying the Thunder bench, especially in game two. And that is the difference. And that was the difference. And that's why it's 2-0. That's just crazy to me, man. I know the Thunder are better than this. And I truly believe that they're going to even the series now, if this was a normal series, going back to OKC, you definitely bet on them winning two more games. But this ain't, you ain't going back to OKC. <laughs> They're just going to slap some logos on and have your announcer, and that's it. 
But, you know, they know the situation. They'll find a way to at least win one, hopefully two. We'll see. Now, finally, the Lakers and the Blazers, the series everyone is paying attention to, that everyone been wanting to see. This is the main event. So, of course, game one, the Blazers back and forth, and then they pulled away in the fourth quarter because it was Dame time. He made a deep three, and I just couldn't get enough of him dancing to the blow the whistle. I didn't know blow the whistle was that big in Oakland, maybe because I don't know much about too short. Maybe that's why. I mean, I guess, hey, what's the name started dancing? And I loved it. I must have played that video like 15, 20 times. (laughs) I loved it, man. But the Blazers won game one. Clutch shooting by Melo and CJ McCollum. Gary Trent had a three. They just did what they've been doing the last nine, ten games. And then uh, the Lakers just went cold. I don't know what they were doing. Especially Danny Green. And people were killing Danny Green. And Catavius Caldwell Pope. I mean, when they open and not making threes, they're on the team to literally do that. That's why people are giving them so much crap. Now, credit to the Lakers, they blew out the Blazers in game two. Now, that's more like it. Every time I play with the Lakers against the Blazers on 2K, I blow them completely out. I I usually annihilate the Blazers because they just they they can't stop LeBron or AD and they got too many shooters and also it's they're a better defensive team than most teams on freaking 2K and that is the reason I don't really have no problem with the Blazers on 2K when playing with the Lakers. Hey, I'm just saying, bro. Just, I knew the Blazers weren't going to score as easily as they did against other teams. Because, like I said, the Lakers are much better defensively. LeBron James only had 10. But AD had 31. LeBron had 10, 7, and 7. This is very pedestrian. But you don't need that when everyone's clicking, when everything's clicking, AD has 31, and you're playing elite defense. Like, midway through the third quarter, you're up 30, and a high-scoring team like the Blazers only have 55. That is elite defense. I don't know if it's the elite defense or bad shooting. Either way, it's impressive, especially in today's NBA. So it's tied up 1-1. This series is far from over, and I can't wait. And, you know, Dame hurt his hand, and he was out. Yeah, he just he just looked he looked like he was in pain on, on the sideline. He looked like he was worried. I didn't see that same energy and passion, but that's just game two. The beauty about a seven-game series, come back, ready to go. Let's see what they, they can do for sure. All right, so now NBA playoffs, I love it. I cannot 
wait to see the rest of it whatever i have time to watch because <laughs> this is so much so much content and our new segment I, I always talk about dc sports anyway but now i'm gonna make this a segment i kind of got it from kind of got the idea from grant and danny's beltway blitz but i call it the dc sports carousel so now that's why i just talk about dc sports teams quickly as quick as I can. If you just go from there. <clears throat> so the DC Sports Carousel. The Caps. Let's start with the Caps. So we're going to go Caps, Nationals, Mystics. I guess we'll throw off the top DC United in there. So Beltway Blitz. So the Caps. The Caps are done. Thank God. Because after they lost game three. Game, two, game one and two was bad enough. Losing 5-2 and 4-2. 4-2 and 5-2. Those games were bad enough. They got whooped in those. The third game was a heartbreaker. They lost in overtime. I was like, oh, great. If they can't win game three, this it's over. They barely won game four. A late rush got them to victory. They were losing in that one, too. And then game five, more... Should have been desperation time. No. They were getting punished again. And they were down 2-0 in that game, too, for most of the game. I tried to watch the third period. I heard I heard a good chunk of the game on the radio going home. But I watched, tried to watch the end at home. And what I was seeing, I was like, this team has no life. I was like, there's no way. They're not getting anything at the goal. Maybe it was just the nature of that game because they actually outshot the Islanders, but 21 shots to 17, I believe that was it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's crazy. It wasn't as many shots that game, but still, like, it seemed like they weren't even getting close. And they were just getting the life choked out of them. And then once I stopped watching, they gave up two more goals. So they lose 4 nothing. Very embarrassing. Good riddance. It looked like I don't know what they were doing in the bubble. They played about as bad in the bubble as DC United and the Wizards. At least they won two games in the bubble, unlike the Wizards and DC United. But it's still bad, though. Like, unlike those teams, though, the Capitals were basically full strength. DC United, okay, DC United's rebuilding, and the Wizards don't have Wall, Bill, or Bertans. They got, they kind of got excuses. Like, these guys had everybody. They even had TJ Oshie. And we still got smoke. Oh, a stat that was crazy to me is the Islanders had 31 block shots to the Capitals 7. That is just straight up choke, choking, choking somebody out defensively. They just, that was just straight up whooping, bro. They bodied them. They bodied them. I just say, I usually when the Caps lose to somebody, I really want that team that beat the Caps to lose in the next round. 
But I don't even care. Like, I don't even care. I don't care what the Islanders do. If they win the cup, fine. Good for Barry Trotz. If they win the next series, that's fine, too. But I don't care anymore, man. It's just the Caps crush my spirit. Maybe I'll watch some more of the playoffs, but the NHL playoffs is just mad to me right now, man. Because the Caps just, just, I don't know. They just took my soul, bro. Like, I don't even want to watch hockey anymore. (laughs) It's so depressing, man. Let's see what they do next year. Let's see what happens with Todd Reardon, the coach. It looks like Hopey's gone because apparently what's news to me is that his contract is up. After what just happened, I don't see them bringing him back unless unless he wants to take less money. I don't know how hockey contracts work, but I don't think he's going to take less money. I think he's gone. Oh, well. Let's see what we got. Let's see who we got behind him, whether it's a free agent or maybe someone we've been grooming um, in the minor leagues or as his backup. Let's see. So now let's get to the Nationals. The Nationals, they split with the Braves. I don't know why the first game was postponed. It's probably weather. It was either weather or COVID. It's probably weather because if it was COVID, the series wouldn't happen. So, the weather is probably it. So, first game got postponed. So, the ver- so then they played the next day. The Nationals had control pretty much the whole game. Sanchez was getting out of jams. The Braves left a bunch of people on base. And yet, the Nationals kept a 2-3 run lead. In the ninth inning, see, I was listening while I was doing lift. I listened to half the game while I was doing lift. Why in the ninth inning we put in Daniel Hudson, the man that got the save in the World Series? We put in Daniel Hudson, right? I was expecting, all right, we got this, we got this. Someone gets on base. Then he gives up a home run. I was like, oh, great, here we go. I was like, okay. You know, I was mad at first. But then I was like, all right. All right. All right, we're down one now. It's no outs. I was I was a little panicking for a little bit. But then I was like, okay, maybe he can still get us out of this jam. He got two quick outs. He got a pop-up. Last out, Dansby Swanson up. I was like, oh, no. I knew he was dangerous. Number one pick in the draft a few years ago. A rising star. I knew Dansby Swanson was going to be dangerous. And if we let him get on base, Freddie Freeman was going to be up. And he was for sure probably probably was going to get that RBI. And we were going to be screwed anyway. But I was just hoping maybe Daniel Hudson can strike him out or maybe he can get him to pop up. Man, he throws the pitch. Charlie Souls is like... Oh, it's a fly ball. It's going back, going, going. It's gone. Dansby Swanson, walk-off two-run homer. And I said, oh, my 
God, no. See, I had somebody in the car, so I had to hide my reaction. I was pissed, bro. I couldn't believe it. My soul, the soul left my body. I was pissed, bro. I was like, God damn, no, this did not just happen, bro. No, we did not just give up a walk-off two-run homer. No, we did not just give up four runs with a three-point lead in the ninth inning. No, we didn't. God damn, you need those games. You are 9-12 and 12 in a 60-game season. You need those type of games. Well, that was an L. So I got back in the car, did more lift, and, of course, I turned on the game. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Caps game. And we did a little bit better. We was in a similar situation. The Braves took an early lead, and then we got the lead back, and then we uh, kind of held on to the ninth inning. It looks like we was in a similar situation, up three, up three, bottom of the ninth. Daniel Hudson in the game, same situation. But this time, we held on. We held on. We held on this time, and I was happy. The second game was a lot better because everyone got a hit. And everyone except Robles and Kurt Suzuki got two hits or more. Luis Garcia, who he's our like top prospect coming out of the minors. He's our latest top prospect. He's been cooking. And he was three for four this game, and Eric Thames had three RBI. Man, the offense was great. Offense comes and goes. Usually it's not enough offense, and usually we lose. But they came to play this game, and I love it. Thank God the NL East has been trash this season. Because at 9-12, and 12, last in the division, Yet still, we're tied with the Phillies and only three games behind Atlanta. The Mets are trash. We will catch them. The Marlins are trash. We will catch them. Especially once they play more games. Okay, maybe the Mets aren't trash. But they ain't all that. Like, I truly believe we can catch the Mets. The Phillies with all that talent, underachieving again. We want to catch them. The Braves, not as good as last year. About to catch them. So, we'll be fine. We'll be fine for sure, man. Just when, looking at the standings gave me some hope. And then there's, like, an extra, like, wild card team or extra wild card team or two in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. This is far from over. Even in a 60-game season, but the division's so bad that we're good. Like, we're, we should be fine. The Mystics finally won a damn game. Finally, I was hoping for it. They lost seven in a row. Ariel Powers is out for the season because of a hamstring. But the thing that gives me a slimmer of hope is that Mike Tebow said she is probably out for the season. Which means, check this. The WNBA, right, there's 12 teams. And eight of them make the playoffs. Right now, the Mystics are tied for eight. Even with their losing streak. Even at, what, four and seven? They're still in eighth. That's crazy. They still have a chance because the Liberty are so bad because they're a young team and 
two of their young stars aren't even playing. And then you got the Dream, who are worse than the Mystics somehow. They're there, and then the, the Fever, yeah, they beat us, but they're basically the Kelsey Mitchell show. You got them. We're good. We're, we're good. All we got to do is battle with those teams. And there's one other team I can't put my finger on right now. But um, we're in it. I think it's, yeah, Dallas. Dallas. Those four teams, that's the Eureka show. Eureka Goomba Wale show. So if they can battle it out with those teams for eighth place, they can get in that eighth spot and who knows what happens. If they can somehow play like they did the first three games, they might be able to upset the storm. They probably won't, but <laughs> they they'll have a chance. They beat them in one game. All it takes is to get hot for two games, and uh, you got yourself an upset. We'll see, though. I'm just so glad that the Mystics finally won a damn game. Now, before that game, they had lost their seventh in a row. Because they lost to um, the Aces. And Asia Wilson had a okay game. She had an okay game. And they still got whooped by the Aces. Who don't have Cam Beige. They don't have um, Kelsey Plum. That's crazy. Still got whooped. McCautry was okay. They still lost. That's crazy. But they don't have Ariel Powers. Who's That's that's a huge, a huge Missing piece for the Mystics who already missing Deladon, Natasha Cloud, um, Deladon, Natasha Cloud, Tina Charles, and Latoya Sanders. Already missing those guys. Those are huge pieces. And now Ariel Powers is the final piece. Come on, man. I just, my biggest hope is the veterans can keep stepping up just hope Maisha Hines Allen keep balling out and um Ariel Atkins and Misaman Misaman and Atkins has been basically our big consistent pieces for the Mystics the past few years hopefully they could just keep going strong keep doing their thing and maybe we could just I think they could at least make the playoffs at least now what happens from there I don't know but at least make the playoffs. It's eight teams out of 12, and the teams that are behind you are trash. Even though you are the Liberty's only win, they're still trash, and you can get ahead of them. I truly believe. And the crazy thing about that Atlanta game, so Stella Johnson had 25, Maisha Hines Allen had 23. I think everyone else was in single digits. I don't really know who Stella Johnson is, but I need to do my research. I'm glad we have her. Atlanta. Uh, okay, maybe not everyone else was in single digits, but Atlanta, for sure, almost everybody else was in single digits other than Ebony Williams and Benaya Laney. I think I said that right. She's from Delaware. They had 65 combined. The rest of their team had 26. Are you serious? That's who we're competing with for the eighth place, bruh. bruh if we don't, if the Mystics don't get this team, don't get these teams out of here and get to the playoffs, 
going to be upset. For real. All right. So now another new segment. It's called The Sooner Schooner. And you know we never been a loser. Chilling with a booster. Run up on a bulldog with the Sooner Schooner. <laughs> I forgot what I actually wrote in that freestyle I made before the uh, Rose Bowl. But it was something like that. <laughs> it was something like that. Run over the bulldog with the Sooner Schooner. Anyway, the Sooner Schooner, the new segment where I talk about OU sports, specifically OU football and basketball, like especially when they're in season. So let's talk about this Sooner Summit thing that was organized by Caleb Williams since they can't do official visits and stuff. So the coaches can't be involved by NCAA rules. So him and the recruits are coming to Norman. Caleb's coming all the way from here in D.C. It's not that bad of a trip. It's like a four-hour plane ride. Well, not really. It's The last few times I've been out OKC, that's a two-hour plane ride. So I don't know if the plane got faster or what. But, you know, it's not that bad of a plane ride to OKC. So they're going out there. They're going to have a good time. They're going to go out to eat. They're going to hang out. They're going to talk. Caleb Williams is going to try to recruit other guys. He's really taking a leadership role. And that's a great thing as a quarterback and as a young man. Like, how did we get this guy and how did we get him to commit to us? That's crazy, bro. Like, this guy, well, I know because we're Oklahoma, goddammit. And we got one of the best offenses in the country. Hey, that's still amazing. I, I'm just fascinated with this guy. I know he went to the high school rival. I don't really like Gonzaga because we competed against them in high school. I'm glad we beat him my senior year. We bodied Kevin Hogan because we turned him into a runner and we kind of made him uncomfortable in the pocket and then we rushed for like 300 yards. But that's that's whatever. That was 11 years ago. Don't worry about that. Caleb Williams is amazing. And his his parents are very supportive, too. They're moving out to OKC. They're house hunting, too. That's pretty cool. That's a huge... I'm telling you, man. OKC and DC, they might as well be, like, two different planets, man. Like, seriously. They might as well be different countries. Because they're two different places. For sure. But... I like both of them. I can live in both places. Like, it's it's cool. You find what you like in both places. And that's, that's, that's just is what it is. I just like that, though. And Caleb Williams is involved in the house hunting, too, with his parents because he wants to keep recruiting people and keep being a leader and keep bonding with his team. That's a good thing because if the team is together and they're clicking all cylinders, there's no telling what we're going to do. That That is pretty much championship winning behavior. He knows about winning a championship. He won the WCAC as a sophomore. As a sophomore. And he threw the game winning touchdown. So he knows about winning championships. That's what we need on our team, man. And the WCAC is not an easy league to win. I'm not going to say, I'm not just saying that just because I played in it. No, seriously. Like, it's a very tough league to win. I'm really excited about what this kid is going to do. So let me flash back to episode eight of the GOAT Level podcast. I was going to play a, play a clip from that episode, but I I failed in that preparation. 
My bad. I'll I'll post it on Twitter soon. But let me remind you, because this was inspired by someone's YouTube comment talking about I'm wrong about Javon Carter not being Trey Young's dad. Must be some West Virginia troll. He said I was wrong. I must be wrong because only I have uh, 17 views and two subscribers. Like that's a permanent state. If if the channel gets to a million subscribers, what you gonna say then? It's not a permanent state. But fuck that guy. Um. Anyway, let me remind y'all: Javon Carter is not Trey Young's dad. He is not. He will never be Trey Young's dad. How many times I got to tell y'all that? He will never be Trey Young's dad. Like I said, and I gave a bunch of reasons why, how you can't really base it off of the games against each other at OU and West Virginia and in the summer league. You can't. Because Trey Young was not that bad in any of those games. Even in the summer league game, that was his first summer league game. And he still ain't do that bad. Anyway, Trey Young is better than Javon Carter. Javon Carter is not Trey Young's dad. And let me compare. Let me do a quick comparison of their NBA stats. Javon Carter in the NBA. 97 games played. Five started. 4.7 points per game. One assist. One rebound. 0.8 steals. Trey Young. 141 games played and started. Played and started. 23 points per game, 8 assists per game, 3 rebounds. He has a higher 2-point percentage than Javon Carter, despite shooting more, but a lower 3-point percentage by like like .3 or something, despite shooting way more threes. So he's been way better. He's been better than Javon Carter since halfway through his freshman season. Most people know this by now. But it was a controversial thing to say back then when I made the video. That's ridiculous. Only West Virginia trolls say that Javon Carter is better than Trey Young. Get out of here, bro. Y'all gonna get me started, bro. Trey Young. Javon Carter will never be Trey Young's dad. I'm serious. How many times I gotta tell y'all, man? I keep trying to tell y'all that he's never gonna be Trey Young's dad. But y'all don't listen. That's okay. Most logical people should know this by now. But I got to remind some folks, especially the West Virginia fans, that he will never, ever, 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 ever be Trey Young's dad. He's barely better than his real dad who played at Texas Tech. Okay, maybe that's a little bit disrespectful. But seriously. (laughs) Seriously, though, man. Trey Young is that dude. He's a future Hall of Famer. And I, I think at best, Javon Carter will be Patrick Beverly and be a solid starter on a on a winning playoff team. But he's not going to be I, – I can't see it. Now, he could easily prove me wrong because he's still, he's still pretty young in the league. He's only been in the league two years, just like Trey Young. He may be older than Trey Young, but he's still, you know – got years ahead of him but the path he's headed trey young is gonna be first ballot hall of famer and javon carter is gonna be just a solid role player which in the nba ain't bad 
but it ain't God tier the way people are saying. The way people were saying, basically, you have to be God like tier or elite to be considered better than Trey Young. Because Trey Young is elite. I'm just saying. So now, the KBO. The KBO. This is my league, man. Haven't really been keeping up as much lately. I try to do this every other week with an update. So yesterday's scores, you had Hanwa. Hanwa beat KT, which is surprising because you look at it. Hanwa is the worst team in the league. They're 30 games back of NC Dinos. They're seven games back of SK, who is the second worst team in the league. They're 18 games back of Samsung, who is the third worst team in the league. Like, this team is horrible. They're 23 and 63. So any win they get is, like, gasp. Like, wow. So KT beat, um, no, LG beat Kiwoom, which is a surprise, too. But LG is rolling. Like, they're 8 and 2 in their last 10 games, and they're in third. They're very up and down. Because the last time I did this podcast, I'm pretty sure they were in six or seven. Now they're in third. The last time I gave a KBO update, I'm pretty sure they were in six or seven. Now they're in third. They jumped Deuce on, which is a big deal. And they're two games ahead of Deuce on. They rolling. They rolling. They rolling. So it's still NC Dinos and Kiwoom, top two teams. They're probably going to be... They're probably going to be the Korean series championship matchup. Now in their league, the playoff structure goes like this. It's five teams, the four and five teams. They play each other. I'm pretty sure you heard me say this two episodes ago, but four and five play each other. The five C has to win twice. The four C has to win once from the looks of it is Doosan and KT. No way. No way. KT would beat Doosan twice if the playoffs started today. Doosan just too much, especially with Alicantra on the mound, probably for the first game, you're done. Done. They got too much firepower. They got Jose Miguel Fernandez. What's done? They would get smoked. Mel Rojas Jr. would literally have to be a... (laughs) (laughs) He would have to drive in so many runs just for them to have a chance. I don't think it's happening. I don't know who's going to get that fifth spot. It probably will be KT. It'd be good to see Mel Rojas. But he's going to need a lot more help than just him. I mean, it's cool. But Dusan beat Lotte. Lotte is kind of cooling down. Oh, they're definitely cooling down. They were the hot team the last time I did this. Uh, update but now they're falling back now they're in seven i'm telling you these teams in the middle are going to keep flip-flopping they're going to keep flip-flopping and changing places but one thing is going to be constant nc dinos and kiwoom probably going to be top two the rest of the season and sk and hanwa are going to be bottom two for like the rest of the season Everyone else is probably interchangeable. Some teams going to get hot. Some teams is going to be just slumping. Like Kia. Kia's lost four in a row. So, let's see. I mean, it doesn't help that they're playing NC Dinos. 
But <laughs> but damn, bro, that sucks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to keep keep my eye on it, but it's tough with all these American sports going on. It's tough to keep up with that, especially with MLB. But I'm gonna try my best, man. I'm gonna try my best. So you know what it is. It's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. The hypothetical game of the episode is part two of the mini tournament, the mini college football tournament I'm doing. Uh, Last week was 06 Boise State versus 06 Oklahoma Sooners Fiesta Bowl rematch. Boise State won by like 30. It hurt me as a Sooner fan. But I just roll with it. I put it in what if sports just to eliminate bias because in my biased opinion, I believe OU wins the fucking rematch. But, uh, excuse my language, but I put it in what if sports to be fair and Boise State not only won that, but they won two out of the three simulations. So there you go. Now this week, we got Ohio State hosting Notre Dame at the shoe. You got 06 Ohio State, Troy Smith, uh, Michael Pittman, Antonio Pittman, Brian Robitsky, Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, who else was on that team? I think that was – no, I don't think that was Laronitis. But, yeah, that team, that team was dope, man. Remember, that's the team that was undefeated until they got smoked against Florida. They beat Michigan in that – one-two game, that epic one-two game. I was kind of mad because I, I like Chad Henney and Breston and, and Braylon Edwards. I, I like that team. But Ohio State was too much, as usual. But so they, they made it out there, and they got killed. Now, 2012 Notre Dame, same thing. They undefeated. They even beat my Sooners, a game I saw in person. One of the most overhyped games I can remember. And OU just got smoked. And it, it, it bolstered Monty Teo's uh, Heisman campaign as a middle linebacker. That's incredible. You end up second in a Heisman as a linebacker? That's crazy. OU's, the crazy thing about that season, OU's three losses came against all Heisman candidates. That's how much... Should I say clout? That's how much, you know, importance they had among the voters and the coaches. That's how much that's that's how much importance they had. That's how significant they were. That's crazy. But anyway, Notre Dame got smoked in the championship too. They lost to Alabama. I was so happy because I did not like that Notre Dame team. And I chose that game was such a joke. I can't believe I chose to not go to the Thunder and Wizards. I, I can't believe I chose to watch that game instead of going to the Thunder and Wizards, which ended up being an amazing game. I think Bradley Bill hit a game-winning shot. It was one of the best games of the season, but yet I didn't go because I wanted to see Notre Dame get blown out. And blown out, they got they got blown out. Blown out, they did. They died. Anyway... These this battle of overrated championship losers is at the shoe. You already know it's gonna be mostly Ohio State fans, but 
Notre Dame fans, they show up everywhere. So I'm pretty sure that's a crazy atmosphere and environment. It starts off like this. Cal uh, brings a field goal, 3-0 Notre Dame. Then Theo Riddick score from six yards out. This is a team with, you know, Everett Golson and Theo Riddick and Lewis Nix and uh, Stephon Tuitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cameron Cameron Moore, I believe. They had a crazy defense, D-line, and they had a crazy team, bro. Um, anyway, 10-0 Notre Dame. Now Ohio State's getting back into it. They kick a field goal. 10-3. Then they make a stop. And now Troy, Troy Smith gets the ball. Their side of the field, they drive. Tony Pittman runs and a few a few first downs and then boom 12 yard touchdown to Brian Robisky and it's 10-10 tied up. Got a good game in the shoe. Then after after some stops, after a few stops, Antonio Pittman scores from three yards out. He scores a, a bubble pass from Troy Smith and he scores. And now it's 17-10 Ohio State. So Cal Brenza from Notre Dame hits a field goal, 17-13, heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, defenses are showing up. These are two really solid teams. And Manti Teo by now has about six tackles in a sack. So it's, it's a hell of a game right now. So Ohio State, midway through the fourth quarter, gets a field goal, goes up seven. So they're up seven at home. I like their chances. But then, but then, Mr. Dink and Dunk and Run, Everett Golson, throws a screen to Theo Riddick. He sprints past the second level. He jukes the safety, run past the corner, and he scores 83-yard screen pass touchdown for Theo Riddick. And now it is 2020, Notre Dame. So after a three and out, Ohio State kicks the ball. Notre Dame drives, drives down the field. Fourth down, nine seconds to go. Fourth down, 12 seconds to go. They're in field goal range. And Brenza kicks the game-winning field goal with nine seconds left. And Notre Dame, they kick it off. They squib kick. But instead of, like, kneeling and throwing a Hail Mary, Ohio State tries to hook and lateral and hook and lateral. But to no avail, it's too much, too little, too late. And Notre Dame wins 23-20, setting up a mini-tournament championship between 2012 Notre Dame as they – between 2012 Notre Dame and 06 Boise State. Notre Dame's probably going to win, but we'll see. I could be wrong. 06 Boise State, one of the most celebrated teams of all time. One of the most memorable teams of all time. At Notre Dame? Oh, my God. That's going to be a crazy game, and we'll see what happens next week. But that was a hypothetical game of the episode.
and it was a good one. Also, I did another interview with this time Angela Betancourt. Angela Betancourt is a global communication specialist. She's met a lot of people, met a lot of celebrities, got a lot of good stories, and it was fun talking to her. So check out that interview, and um, I'm out. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.